0: Studenting encourages open dialogue between our participants. Opinions expressed in this episode are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of McGill University Student Services.
1: This episode was recorded in January 2022. Public health guidelines may have changed since the time of recording. Studenting.
2: Welcome to Studenting, your favorite podcast for all things McGill, hosted by students working in Student Services. I'm your host, Margaret. Each season we dig into a facet of the student experience, talking with people across campus about life at McGill beyond the classroom. This season is all about community, finding it, building it, and helping it grow. Today, Khadija Ahmed, president of the Muslim Law Students Association, Mary Jong, co-founder and president of the Secular Students Alliance. Nancy Call, co-president of the McGill Dharma Society, and Carleen Gardner, director of the McGill Office of Religious and Spiritual Life, join us to talk about faith communities on campus, building interfaith community, and finding support for spiritual and religious exploration at McGill. Perfect, so welcome everyone to the faith and interfaith community episode of Studenting. I have so many guests here with me today, and we're really, really excited to chat with all of you. So just working around, why don't we start with um,
0: Khadija. Would you mind introducing yourself? Sure. My name is Khadija Ahmed, and I am a third year law student at McGill's Faculty of Law. And I'm also the president of the Muslim Law Student Association this year.
2: Awesome. We're really happy to have you here with us. Thank you for joining. Uh, Mary?
1: Hi, I'm Mary. Uh, I am a final year BCom student here at McGill Hotels, and I am the president and co-founder of Secular Student Alliance PEM Montreal chapter and uh, I am also a a volunteer with Morsel for the secular humanist tradition.
3: Awesome, thanks so much for joining. Nancy? Hi, my name is Nancy Call. I'm the co-president for McGill Dharma Society. I'm currently in my third year studying anatomy and cell biology at McGill as well. And last but not least, Carleen, please.
4: Hi there, I'm Carlene. I'm the director of McGill's Office of Religious and Spiritual Life, or Morsel. So. Uh, we're part of student services. And uh, I'm in my fourth year in this role.
2: So close to graduation. Congrats. <laughs> um, well, we're very happy to have you all here today. Um, and since you're each re- like representing a student group or um, an office here at McGill, Um, We'd love to just get sort of an introduction of what your group is all about, um, what kind of students your group serves. Khadija, would you mind starting us off?
0: Happily. So um, McGill's Muslim Law Student Association basically provides a forum where law students can discuss legal issues relating to Muslim communities in Canada, but also within a global landscape, and we seek to raise awareness uh, of issues affecting Muslims within both the law school community and our broader communities. Um, we also serve to combat prejudice and aim to, to create a more inclusive and integrated society, both within the faculty and beyond. So we are seeking to remove legal barriers to justice within our local Muslim communities in Quebec, for instance, provide support and guidance to Muslims entering the legal profession, challenge the ever evasive ideology of Islamophobia, And some recent initiatives that I hope we'll get into by the MLSA has been including um, co-organizing anti-Bill 21 initiatives, um, panels on the Uyghur crisis, and participation in interfaith dialogues with fellow Christian and Jewish law student groups, and of course, social events for MLSA members in the law school community. That's amazing. It's lovely to have you here. Um, Mary, would you mind
2: telling us about the secular student group that you're a part of?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, so the Secular Student Alliance, Montreal, is a chapter under the uh, national U.S.-based Secular Student Alliance organization, uh, which I'm involved with the national organization as well. Um, specifically, the Montreal chapter aims to serve two purposes. Um, and of course, we aim to serve basically the agnostic, atheist, um, secular, and non-religious, kind of an umbrella term, um, students and youths in the Montreal area. Um, And our mission is twofold. We aim to create a safe and positive community for these students that I mentioned. um, But also we serve as a space and avenue for secular advocacy. Um, That means issues that have historically been affected by um, religion and forces of religion within our society. Um, an example of this is we had a panel series on um, secular criticisms against Bill 21, very similar to what Patija was talking about. Um, so that's kind of the line of work that we do.
2: Awesome. Thanks so much. Um, we're really excited to have a, a secular voice in, involved, especially when discussing faith and interfaith community across campus. So thank you so much for joining us, Mary. And Nancy, please tell us a little bit more about the Dharma Society.
3: No, sure. So, McGill Dharma Society serves as the official campus representation for students belonging to Hindu and other Dharmic traditions. And we aim to allow students of all backgrounds to collectively learn and participate in our spiritual and cultural practices.
2: Lovely. Thank you so much for joining us, Nancy. And Carleen, can you tell us a little bit about your role in Morsel?
4: Sure. So our office, the Office of Religious and Spiritual Life, we're part of Student Services, and we're here to support religious and spiritual life for our students, for their well-being, uh, their personal growth, their understanding of what it means to live in a pluralistic society. Um, Now, we ourselves, of course, are not a religious organization, but rather we're a service for all students. So whether they identify as religious or spiritual or secular or, you know, in that space of still trying to figure it out. Uh, we are really here for all of our students. So in addition to the work that we do that supports those kind of individual and personal explorations, we also aim to form a community for students of all backgrounds to come together for you know, learning, for dialogue, and to create a community that is itself defined by open mindedness and, and an open heart also, and a real curiosity about life's big questions.
2: That's awesome. And and we're excited to sort of tap into that curiosity today and then hear what each of you have to say. Um, So again, thank you all for joining us. And now that we sort of know what groups you're from and um, what communities you're seeking to to get in touch with, um, I would be personally really curious to know, um, when was your group, respectively, um, founded? Like, what what need did it meet when it was created? And... um, how, how long has it sort of been, been active in the McGill community and on campus? Um, we could start with the MLSA in Khadija, please.
0: Yeah, so we actually don't know the origin story of the MLSA. <laughs> um, I think it's probably because um, participation in, w- within the MLSA or uh, group membership, there's been ebbs and flows. Being in law school can be really demanding. And so um, I think there have been some years where there's been a higher um, level of participation. And so we haven't been able to retain that origin story knowledge, um, sadly, but um sorry what was the second part of the question which was just just if you did know the um
2: the genesis of your group what what sort of need did it meet at at the time that it arose but if if it's a mystery to you that's okay you can you can make up your own (laughs) genesis story if you'd like
0: (laughs) yeah i think it i can imagine that i i imagine the genesis to be um, muslim law students wanting to find a space to come together to talk about Um, issues that touch on our community but may not be discussed in a very holistic or an empathetic or compassionate way. Um, I think that's definitely been the case for sort of my affinity to my fellow Muslim law students where we sort of come together and talk about Bill 21 or, or doctrinal readings on certain types of law and so it's I think I would imagine that that would probably be the genesis and sort of just, you know, breaking bread, having food with people that uh, share a similar perspectives is always, is always nice.
2: Absolutely. I think, I think that makes great sense as a genesis story. And Mary, would you please tell us about the founding of the Secular Student Alliance?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the genesis of <laughs> the Secular Student Alliance um, we were, well, I founded the organization along with my co-founder and co-president, uh, Loic Eloy, who is a McGill grad, a McGill alum. And uh, we, so a bit of a backtrack, I, my personal relationship with uh, Secular Student Alliance, the national organization goes way back to when I was in high school. And I tried to found a chapter in my high school, uh, which unfortunately due to external um external factors uh, were unable to happen. And when I came to McGill after my first year, I was able to build some network, um, get a sense of the campus. I was really interested in starting this organization again, because I noticed that there, was, um, there wasn't there was a space um, for secular students on campus. And in the process of trying to gauge interest for the organization and trying to found this organization at the end of my first year, this would have been 2019, um, I had a lot of conversations and dialogues and one of the concerns that I received often was the implication of the term secular um, in Quebec, um, specifically its association with secular legislation, secular law, such as Bill 21, which is coming up over and over in this, uh, in this discussion by pure coincidence, um, and how, just how much this term has caught on a very negative connotation. Um, And this was something that I was, you know, having dialogues with other people, having conversations with myself over of um, if we should go forward with this name for our organization um, and basically how to reconciliate that. And in 2020, when this organization was officially founded, my co-founder actually reached out to me over LinkedIn um, when I posted something about me speaking at a national event for secularism. And we came together, we chatted over coffee, and we decided that this, well, chatted over coffee over Zoom, because it was 2020. And we decided that this was something that we were going to do. Um, And a major part of it was that we wanted to reclaim the term secularism and secular for students who actually are secular, uh, for people who are actually secular. Um, I thought it was widely unfair that um, a term that a lot of us identify as part of our personal and religious and faith identity has been essentially um, taken and appropriated by a group of mostly white, mostly religious um, legislators who are not involved in our community, who use our name Um, as a cover for their own ulterior agendas and we wanted a space where students could see positive secularism modeled and reclaim that term for themselves and have a community for advocacy and just for belonging Um, so that's our little backstory there
2: well congratulations on on establishing a chapter especially here at McGill what an awesome yeah what an awesome way to sort of build community, and and find a network. And Nancy, could you please tell us about the uh, Dharma Society?
3: Sure. So McGill um, Dudman Society is actually like a really new club. So uh, we were actually just founded last year in the winter semester um, uh, by my co-president, Shreya Mahasinan. And we had tried before, like I hadn't tried, or Shreya hadn't tried, but I know another group of people had tried a few years prior, but it didn't go through because there was already the Indian student association. So um, then we had tried again because obviously um, your religious identity and your country of origin isn't the same thing. So we wanted to fill that gap because we didn't have any Hindu representation on campus. So we were really happy when we finally got approved and we just recently got full status as well. So um yeah, so we're really happy to have been able to bridge that gap.
2: That's awesome, and, and congratulations. congratulations in order uh, for the, the recent full status as a, as a campus group. We're really excited to sort of include you in this conversation, and, and hopefully more people um, will also get to, to know about, I mean, not only the Dharma Society, but also all of these campus groups, and if they speak to them as a, as a student or as a, a secular or faith-interested person. Um, Hopefully they can yeah, interact with your, your groups, your clubs, your community. Um, and then Carlene, Morsel, it is a part of the administration, but how long, how long has Morsel been around? Do you know?
4: That's a really good question, uh, Margaret. Um, I know that McGill has had some kind of a campus chaplaincy since the 1960s, You know, primarily with a Christian focus in those days. Uh, but I would say that around the 1990s, s, uh, it became much more diverse and much more actually multi faith, uh, and it's been integrated into student services uh, as a service for all students for I'd say well over thirty years now. And we did change the name from the chaplaincy service to the Office uh, of Religious and Spiritual Life about ten years ago. Uh, so that's you know more of a, an inclusive naming of the of the office. Because you know, chaplaincy can often be, you know, seen as just a Christian term.
2: It, it's awesome that the office has sort of recognized the the needs and the demographics of of students on campus and sort of um, reflected back on itself and, and adapted to to suit those needs. Um, so that's that's all really really interesting stuff about sort of your your start points. I mean, two of the groups the secular group and the Dharma group like both of you guys are pretty new, pretty fresh on campus. Um, so we're excited to have sort of both, both old and, and new here today. Um, just a, a question about the communities um, you're trying to establish, connect, develop. Um, what kind of events or activities um, are your groups currently leading um, under the pandemic? Or if you were having those events before the pandemic, what did that life look like? Um, so how do, yeah. How do you foster community through through events and outreach? Khadija, would you mind telling us about um, how the MLSA
0: does community? For sure, yeah. So um, during the pandemic, I would actually say it was a lot easier logistically to to coordinate and um, bring people together. Um, I'm thinking about the numerous panels we've held in the past uh, uh, two years now um, and we've had some really cool panels I'd say for instance we hosted a panel on the weaker crisis um, last fall uh, so fall 2020 and we were able to get two out of the three panelists that were not in Montreal and um, I think it's really difficult to actually get people to speak on this crisis and who have authority um on on, in doing so and and can and so um we had a member of parliament uh uh, garrett genius who has been really outspoken on this crisis and we also had 8 Uyghur activist Rokia turdush and so it was really cool to be able to bring together people that are directly affected or contributing to such an important cause that matters so much to to our community because what is happening in the region of Xinjiang um, is uh, is genocide, and has been declared that. So that the gravity of that, and having created the first space for within the Faculty of Law virtually to be able to talk about that, has been great. And we've been also able to collaborate with the Christian Legal Fellowship and the Jewish Law Student Associations, um, and we've been able to put on really uh, timely topics such as. Women, women of faith in law, um, and the place of religious law today. So two different panels there. And so we've been able to get really interesting speakers. So it's uh, sometimes it feels pretty lonely to talk about spirituality and religiosity in certain spaces because it's not a la mode, you know, it's not really, it's, it's not really cool to talk about it, or um, it just religion has such a bad rep because of um, things we mentioned earlier, um, in terms of, of systemic issues and contributing to systemic issues. So there's not a lot of space to speak um, openly and compassionately about the value of religion. So to be able to carve out that space and bring in speakers that aren't directly in Montreal or directly associated with the Faculty of Law um, through uh, through Zoom has been such a, a, a A gift and we've been happy to be able to share that space with people that's lovely
2: yeah we often we often focus on the limitations of of life under the pandemic and life through sort of teleconferencing but you're absolutely right there is while there are certain negatives that is absolutely a positive getting to speak with people you may not usually get to Um, and hearing really important voices and perspectives like as you mentioned people acutely connected to this um, who yeah I like that you use the word compassionate who can speak compassionately um, and empathetically to it Um, what about the secular student alliance what kind of group events zoom events are you guys um, currently running
1: as I said we were founded during the pandemic so we were really um, born virtual, as we would say in the uh, in the business world, and so everything we've had, all the events we've had, for better or for worse, has been um, have been online, and so our first uh, year of our founding, we hosted um, the panel on secular perspectives against Bill 21, um, and the semester after that, we collaborated with the SSA chapter at University of Manitoba and their version of Morsel, basically. um, A um, series, an interfaith series on various topics of discussion that spanned um, the entirety of the semester. And this semester, we also have a uh, speaker event on more or less um, cultural diversity and interfaith aspects that's being planned, uh, that's in the working right now. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Definitely, like I said, building a community is a major goal of mine with this organization. So as we're coming out of COVID restrictions, I'm definitely hoping to start organizing more in-person events, socials, bondings, things of that nature, rather than just speaker series panels, things that are more um, lecture-based, if you will. So that's certainly my hopes for the organization going forward
2: absolutely and yeah we'll be we'll be crossing your fingers for you guys that there's a way for i mean both the secular student society and the dharma society were born online as you said um born over zoom so hopefully there's there's space in the coming months for you guys to connect in person because i I think it was khadijah that said it earlier but just being able to like break bread and internet interact in a room together and have like that casual community focused conversation is really valuable. Not that these speaker series and panels aren't really informative and really enlightening, but yeah, just the chance to be in a room together is really valuable. Um, Nancy, what about the Dharma Society?
3: Yeah. So we've actually had a number of virtual events as well. So our most popular event was our ROGS for Relief fundraiser. So during that we raised over $2,000 for COVID-19 relief in India. So we had featured artists from all over the world and we showcased their talents in the Hindustani classical music schools. And we had a lot of engagement for that event. And that was our first event. So we really started really strong. So we we're really happy about that. Um, and then after we've had a lot of online workshops with the Chinmaya Mission Toronto, such as Understanding Happiness and Ancient Techniques for Mastering Modern Life, led by G. Um, and those were really nice discussions. And we also collaborate with the University of Toronto that way. So you meet other people and get to talk to other people. So it's it's really nice. Um, so we had also hosted an online Bharatnatyam dance workshop. And when we were able to, we also did have in-person events. So last semester, we had organized temple trips for Durga Puja. So um, it was like kind of because there's no temple that's really close to Miguel. So we had kind of taken a group together to a temple uh, and we had gone together and it was really nice. We took the metro together and everything and we attended their um, celebration that they had going on. Um, and then another event that we had was the night before the Wali event. So for that event, we had a night of mandi or, or henna, dia um, painting and food and we had also prepared and delivered a presentation highlighting the diverse regional practices for Diwali and the associated traditions. Uh, right now, we're also going to be having a interfaith dialogue event with Am um, McGill, which is a Jewish association on campus. And we're not sure if that's going to be online or in person, but that's the next event coming up.
2: Awesome. And congratulations on your your first event being so successful. That, that really speaks to the... Um... The community that is here on campus that just sort of needs like a central gathering point to come towards. So congratulations on that. And yeah, we're, we're really excited for everybody to, to keep developing, keep growing. And I think it's really cool, actually, that each of you um, spoke to the, the connections that you're making with other groups. Um, Khadija, you talked about like the other religious groups on campus that the, the MLSA is interacting with. Mary, you talked about um, a different university, Nancy, you talked about U of T. So I think it's really awesome that these these groups aren't only speaking to things happening on the McGill bubble, but they're they're happening elsewhere too. And there's there's people to connect with about this. There's all this amazing stuff that you guys are offering. How how would a prospective student get involved? Where where are your channels? Where are your social medias? Like, um, how would an incoming or even returning student get involved with your group? For example, the MLSA. How would how would you get in touch with the MLSA, Khadija?
0: For sure. It's been a little harder to reach um, students who've joined the Faculty of Law um, during the pandemic and this year, just because there's just less opportunity to socialize in larger groups. And I think that's kind of how organically you hear about so and so who's really interested in x or y and then that kind of you know you go for a coffee and then you know um, that's how collaborations kind of are organically born and it's, it's hard in a virtual world but um with events it's been it's been helpful um but i think Having a Facebook page, uh, has been helpful too. It's the um, Muslim Law Student Association. Our Facebook page and also our Instagram, which is at MLSA underscore McGill, and uh, you know, reach out to us on on uh, through our inbox or uh, follow us and. Um, you know, just I think we're we a really friendly group. And if uh, anyone wanted to be invited to our Facebook group chat <laughs> to keep people in the loop on, on things from getting uh, exam accommodations from the faculty of law with Ramadan coming up during exam season, I think a lot of Muslim students are worried about that because this is the second year that Ramadan is overlapped with final exams. And so um, whether it be something logistical or social or just kind of wanting guidance from a fellow muslim law student navigating uh, networking events at networking events at law firms which sometimes have a lot of alcohol and if if that's something that you um, don't want to partake in you know some just getting moral support on on matters that matter to you and navigating this new space um we're, we're always happy to chat with anybody who's interested to to hear about our experiences
2: Awesome. And I'm sure there are people that are interested to chat back. So hopefully those that are interested can reach out. Um, Mary, where does the Secular Student Alliance exist in the online world?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Of course, with things being virtual, there's an inherent difficulty to connecting and building communities. um, And that's certainly been felt. Um, Currently, we are active on Facebook. We have a Facebook page and we have an Instagram page, both of which are active and are managed by our exec team so feel free to reach out to us there and from there you can also find our contact information like our emails etc um so you can reach out pretty much anywhere and we'll be quick to get back to you uh we also have a facebook group however that's been a little bit less active um, since i believe the younger uh the younger gen z's are moving away from facebook surprisingly so i'm becoming old that is what i'm learning Um, As I said, as we're moving out of COVID, we certainly hope to bring a lot of more stuff in person and hopefully um, be able to build that community. But one thing I found that's really helpful when it comes to building a community online is really putting a personal touch in and going forward kind of human first. I believe Khadija was the one that mentioned this, but um, it's difficult talking about issues of religiosity or non-religiosity for that matter. It's something in Western quote-unquote secular society is seen as almost unprofessional or even taboo. Um, and it can be very powerful to um, just put yourself out there and put your religiosity or non-religiosity, your faith identity, out there in a way that is positive and, and inviting. And that in of itself will start a lot of really great conversations and you'll have a lot of more people reach out to you in um, very genuine ways that you wouldn't expect otherwise. Um, Also, joining the Morsel Network has also been incredibly helpful in helping us have a bigger reach and build communities and um, just have a reach to students we otherwise wouldn't be able to connect with.
2: Thank you so much for sharing. And Nancy, where could interested parties find the Dharma Society?
3: For us as well, honestly, just reach out to us on our social media. We're active on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you could even give us your email. We could add you to our listserv, which we sell, send out um, every month. We try to send it out monthly. Um, as well, you could just reach out to us, and we have a lot of volunteer opportunities to help out at events. Or if you're interested, you could even uh, potentially be part of the exec team. Otherwise, just attending our events, whether virtually or in person, are a great way to kind of connect with the community as well.
2: Um And Carleen, finally, how would a student interact with Morsel? How would they find you on campus? Uh,
4: Well, we're actually, you know, fortunate compared to most student groups in that we actually have office space on campus. Um, We have a beautiful drop-in center on uh, McTavish, uh, 3610 McTavish, up on the third floor. Uh, We've got, um, you know, a front desk reception area, a little student lounge and a beautiful prayer and meditation space. So I think a lot of students have maybe not known about this, especially since, you know, many of our students have started their university career online and haven't really been much on campus. But uh, we do have a physical footprint uh, on campus, which uh, we're really fortunate to have. Um, We also, like everyone else, have, you know, Facebook and Instagram. You can find us on Facebook under Morsel, on Instagram under Morsel McGill. Uh, but I think the most reliable way to connect with us is going to be, uh, like what Nancy said, through our listserv through our newsletter. It uh, goes out every Friday. Um, we put out, you know, events that are happening across all different faith clubs, uh, partner organizations in the Montreal area, everything related to um, spirituality, inner wellness, religious literacy, things that are happening uh, in and around the, the McGill campus. So... Subscribing to our newsletter honestly is the best way to know about the upcoming events, you know, the classes, the workshops, the interfaith panels, uh, the training opportunities, and so on that we've got going on.
2: Awesome. Well, hopefully, students that are interested um, can now take advantage of, of the existence of these groups and reach out to, to any of you guys if they're they're interested. And and moving sort of away from the the logistics, um, I would be really interested to hear from each of you. Um, What are some just more anecdotal stories about ways that you've seen students come to connect around their faith, around their beliefs, around secularism as a sort of reclaimed identity? Um, How have you sort of seen that in your tenure at your at your group? Um, And Khadija, could we start with you
0: and the MLSA? Sure. So if I understood your question correctly, it would be more so about members um, exploring their own religious identity, like within the group.
2: Yeah, and what has that looked like? what What changes do you feel like you've been making? How do you feel people have been responding to the group? Um, things like that? Like what does participation look like, sort of?
0: Yeah, I, participation has looked um, we're a pretty um, non-rigid group, I would say, in terms of you know coming, and joining and supporting, yeah, supporting in terms of the administration of our student group. Um, I think we've been really open that I think that people do feel comfortable, um, members feel comfortable to speak to us and approach us, um, I'd like to think. Um, and I think there would be some people that would corroborate that, um, that regardless of what Level of faith they're at, and I think sometimes we could be really self-critical sometimes about the groups we identify with and sort of not being up to par and and whatnot. And I and I'm using air quotations for those who are listening, which is everybody except us
4: because we're
0: <laughs> But the reason being is that I think it's um, people shouldn't feel like they are not good enough or muslim enough to um, join our student group and that's what's most important to us and everything after that is is a bonus in terms of what we're able to accomplish together but um, i think yeah people have felt um, comfortable in joining our group as their authentic self and that's really uh, Something I, I cherish
2: absolutely, and that's that's such a lovely goal and such a lovely purpose to have as a as a student group, but even more specifically as a faith based student group, being really open, accepting, where where everyone's at, meeting everyone where they're at. Um, Mary, how have students sort of connected about around the founding of a, of a secular group on campus?
1: I think there's a uniqueness with secular identity that perhaps. Um, religious identities don't really share. um, It's that it's kind of centered around a lack of, right? Centered around, it's inherently centered around a nothingness and atheism, agnosticism. I mean, the a um, prefix is lack of. Um, And how do you define a identity or a community based on not having something? Um, So I, I think... It's that's that's always an interesting space to try to navigate, and I think it's been a refreshing experience for many to have a um, secular, non-religious space that's not focused on negativity or a lack of something, uh, which is why we place a lot of emphasis on secular advocacy and advocating. social justice and community issues that have historically been affected by religiosity and religion in our society um because i really believe that it's powerful when we can focus on something we do have which is the care for our community our care for each other our enthusiasm for our identities you know our vigor in exploring our identities rather than focusing on that lack of i think a lot of atheists agnostic etc this was a conversation I had with my co-founder when he first reached out to me. He told me, this: I never thought I would be sitting down having a conversation with anyone about the fact that I'm atheist. It felt like this like deep, dark secret that I never wanted to talk to anybody about. Um, that was a bit facetious, but maybe not deep, dark, murderous secret, but it is something that we don't talk about in polite Western society. Um, but it is... Um, refreshing for many to have a community where we can positively and meaningfully uh, discuss and build on these identities um, in a healthy and open way.
2: Absolutely, 100%. And I think that's something that all of, I mean, all of campus groups in general, but all all campus faith-based groups or secular groups should hopefully seek to explore absolutely what about the Dharma Society
3: Nancy so we've actually been overwhelmed with the amount of interest that we've received so our events in person usually sell out pretty quick and uh, we've met people who have been really happy that they finally kind of received an avenue to participate in their um, religious traditions and we really welcome everyone to our events so we've had many non-Dharmaks come as well and they seem really happy and you know, accepting to learn about the traditions. And that's also really nice to see as well, seeing people who maybe aren't part of that religion, like embracing it and learning about it. Um, I think that kind of takes away any like stigma or anything that they may have had before. So that's also something really nice to see. Absolutely.
2: It's really lovely to see not only
3: students who already know the
2: you know it's something that works for them and that they love but also just students with curiosity wanting to learn more about their peers and more about their their campus um carlene has morsel noticed any sort of uptick downtick consistent stream of students sort of interested in getting involved with spiritual life on campus in recent years
4: well i think we've got three great examples with us here today and our student leaders you know um There's so much going on in faith communities or, you know, communities of uh, different world views, you know, regarding volunteering, mentorship, uh, advocacy, uh, interfaith understanding, um, intellectual growth, as well as spiritual growth. And I think we've heard some great examples of that. I've certainly seen, I think, more openness um, and more uh, activity among faith-based groups on campus, particularly during the pandemic. As I mentioned, I've been in this role now for four years, so half of my time at McGill has been uh, in a remote uh, situation, so sometimes it can be a little bit difficult to gauge. But, you know, I'm consistently hearing that people really do want to connect around something that is going to provide them a, a deeper sense of grounding in this very uncertain time that we've been going through. So uh, I have seen an increased interest. Um, we have a lot of people coming to Morsel who are in that kind of questioning or exploration you know, mode and interested in meeting students of like mind or who are also questioning and who are also exploring and not wanting to be alone in that I don't know space. Uh, so like I said, that's another form of community. Um, it's another way of uh, feeling like not just intellectually knowing that other students don't always, you know, have everything figured out, but actually walking a path alongside somebody, being accompanied by somebody who's in that I don't know space. So I think that can be really powerful. Um, There are a couple of interfaith projects that Marshall does that have actually received, I think, more attention recently. Um, In the fall, we took a, a group of students. When I say took, it was a virtual conference, but we took them to a virtual conference. Um, called the Parliament of the World's Religions, which is a global interfaith conference that uh, happens every three or four years and attracts anywhere from five to 10,000 participants. Um, So this was a major uh, event. It doesn't happen every year. And we had, um, you know, we advertised to the general McGill student body and we got uh, responses from students that weren't necessarily connected to Morsel before, which is really interesting to see that, you know, there are a lot of people out there who want that interfaith understanding. They realize that faith and spirituality is an important part of life. Um, You know, they see it on campus here. They see that they're going to be entering a workforce that's going to be incredibly diverse, and they want to understand. They want to know more. They want to know uh, how people's faith informs their decision-making, their values, their choice of vocation. So I thought that was really powerful to see so many students interested in that from a very wide range of worldviews and religions, as well as secular students. Um, And another uh, area I think where we've seen some interest around this idea of wanting to connect across different views is is through our magazine, the Radix magazine that we've been publishing since, uh, since the year 2000, actually. We're in our 22nd year now so this is a great opportunity to kind of go beyond a panel discussion and to you know explore uh spiritual themes through through poetry through art through photography Uh, you know it's another way of of bringing the conversation to campus another way of normalizing these these topics
2: that's awesome and yeah what a what a fun way to sort of interact in a non non non-academic environment because of course just speaking more so for myself, I don't know about other people, but um, interaction with with a faith community or a secular community can be a really important way of maintaining a life outside of school and maintaining your own personal well being and, and spiritual well being and fulfillment. So, yeah, the fact that the students are engaged and interested and curious, I think, just really speaks to that. Com- coming up, sort of on the end of our our discussion, because we've been we've had a really lovely conversation, um, but unfortunately all good things come to an end um I'd be really interested to hear from each of you just sort of like as a as a closing note what is something you really want people to know about your group anyone listening like it can be anecdotal it can be whatever you think is most interesting but yeah what do you want people to know most
0: one of the things that I think um maybe I'll share a little story is that um within our faculty of law there's Usually about, a student body is about 800 people. And um, as I mentioned before, law school can be really demanding. And so not everybody gets involved with extracurriculars. So um, it's it was the case that when we organized an event um, and people found out last year how many we were, which was uh, a small but mighty number of four people, <laughs> people were really surprised with how many events we were Able to coordinate and our presence, which is has been felt on campus, and um, we're increasing in membership, thankfully. But sometimes I think what's important to know is that um, quantity and number of 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 people in a group doesn't matter as much as the vision and the leadership of people involved. And um, I'm really grateful for the members of last year and all that we've accomplished together. And that's Asya Siddiq. And uh, Sarah Wright and Irfan Tahiri and myself, where we were able to really, I think, come together and put put together a lot of things we were proud of, including not just external events, but you know, we we hosted an iftar that had such a we had more non-Muslims attending than Muslims, and so um, just bringing our community together in different forms, and that was really, really beautiful and a powerful message um, that. We took to heart when people found out how many people we were, and just sort of just reflecting on the impact that we had all year last year and um, and onward. So um, yeah, I've I've crossed threads with the the MLSA before
2: through um through on campus journalism and things like that. I had no idea you guys were four people previously because you're so right. Your your presence and and the the aim of your group extends so far past just yourselves. Um, and yeah, you you said it perfectly that it's it's a very powerful thing. You just actually gave me goosebumps like through the through the video call. Um, and what about what about you, Mary? What would you like people to really know about the Secular Student Alliance?
1: I don't know if this is as specific maybe to the Secular Student Alliance, but I think I just want people to have more curiosity and to have more. Um, and to have more openness towards their own faith, their own faith expression, their own religiosity or lack in thereof. Um, there's nothing scary about being an atheist or, or an agnostic. And there's nothing scary about questioning your faith. And there's nothing scary about being reaffirmed in your faith. I just want to invite everybody to take some time out of your busy lives and really negotiate what you believe in and why you believe in it with yourself. Um, I have, I I always say this, I have no interest in everybody in the ideal world. My ideal world wouldn't, it wouldn't be that everybody would be atheist, but it's that everybody would have spent a significant effort in their lives, um, understanding and negotiating and consolidating what they believe in. And they feel 100% good, um, about whatever faith system and moral system they decided to depend on themselves. Um, so I guess this just goes out as an invitation to take some time, um, and understand what you believe in and why you believe in it um, and feel good about it and feel proud of it. Um, and you might come out with a better understanding of what other people believe and feel good about what they believe in as well.
2: That's a really awesome invitation. And I hope that people do take you up on it because you're right. Everybody deserves to have um, a positive and meaningful relationship with whatever religious or, or moral belief system they feel is, is right for them. Nancy, what about the Dharma Society?
3: So um, you guys both did so well. I don't, I don't think I'll be able to like come on that level. But anyways, so um, we would want students to know that we are here to provide religious education, awareness and celebration. And we want to provide a community for people who follow our traditions and people who don't. So we really just want to be open to everyone. And because... traditions can be so diverse we want to hear from you like what you would like to see us put on what you would like to see us do so we can kind of encompass all the diverse traditions and um, and kind of let the community be a part of that so
2: that's awesome. Yeah, I, I think it's really cool that you've you've said a couple times now that your group really focuses on not only like faith based and your community based events, but also um, opening those up to to the wider community that's curious about Dharmic traditions and getting involved or learning about them. Um, so yeah, hopefully people that are interested or people that connect with that, that those faith beliefs can can check out your group and what you're doing. Um, and Carleen, what would you really like people to know about about Morsel?
4: Yeah, I mean, again, we've had such great responses to this question. And I think for Morsel, I mean, part of it I've already said is that I'd like students to know that Morsel is for every student on campus and that we are there really to to lift up this idea that everyone should be able to bring their whole selves to their studies. Um, and, you know, we talk a lot about creating uh, a community of inclusion, a, a campus climate that really is in- inclusive, and for me, that's an endeavor where everybody takes part in creating that inclusion. And uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about community in this uh, podcast, and I think community in university life is often about finding new connections, right? New spaces where, of belonging, and that might go beyond or even contradict what you experienced in high school or say Jeff right? And I think when we when we come to a new environment, we tend to gravitate to groups that share our values and our beliefs, whether that's religious or political or moral and so forth. But um, one of the things that's really wonderful about being part of a community like McGill is just how incredibly diverse it is and how many opportunities there are to be in community with people who are entirely different from yourself. Um, I know when I was a student, I took it for granted, you know, being surrounded by all these brilliant people from all sorts of backgrounds. I assumed that life would always be like that, that I would have a constant flow of interesting people. Um, Yet, the reality is that as time goes by, we tend to settle into smaller social circles. You know, most people don't change jobs every three months, like, you know, students have the opportunity to meet new classmates every semester. So, I think what I'd like people to know is kind of like what Mary said is to share a hope and an invitation uh, to take advantage of this time to really connect with people who are not at all like yourself um, and to make this kind of connection a lifelong practice. And I think that's something that will go a long way towards building a more harmonious society in general.
0: A piece of advice that I'd love to share is um, reach out and reach out early. I think you never know where a connection uh, a conversation may lead you i think don't overthink reaching out to student groups um, and people who are exploring religiosity and spirituality because um, you don't necessarily have to commit to uh, an administrative role or for you know hosting a panel or even attending a panel you just really don't know where a conversation will lead you and having the opportunity to connect with someone, even for a moment. Um, And, you know, just touching on what Carleen said about um, bringing your whole self. I think too many times we're, we're splicing up ourselves and not necessarily bringing our full self or wearing our hearts on our sleeve, or making values based uh, conversations or decisions. And I think it's time that we do that. I think it's it's important that we do that. So um, as Mary mentioned, um, maybe it's not really popular, but we should have this human first approach and we should have these conversations about faith more broadly. And to question is important. To do it respectfully is even more important. And to just take the plunge and you never know where a conversation with somebody may lead you I think that's really important to highlight. It absolutely is.
2: And I hope that that everybody listening really does, that that does sort of really stick with them and they, they do take a moment to do so within, yeah, within their own lives. Beautifully said. Yeah, I think that everything you've, all, all four of you have contributed to this conversation has really shown how this conversation can be taken past the boundaries of McGill as an institution, past your identity as a student, as an administrator, as, you know, however you identify within the mcgill bubble so to speak um so yeah thank you so much again for for taking the time out of your days and your schedules to meet with us and and tell us about your groups um i'll just re-mention that uh all of the groups will be in the description of this episode and yeah Kadisha, mary nancy carlene thank you again so much it's lovely 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 chatting with all of you thanks for listening to studenting if you have any questions, comments, or feedback about this episode or the show in general, you can reach us at student.services If you wanna know what resources are available to you as a McGill student, hit the link in our show notes for Ask McGill. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Make sure to follow Student Services on social media at McGill to keep up with everything we're doing. Thank you for joining us for this season of studenting and stay tuned for season three.